Hi, I'm Leola. I'm a sacred intimacy mentor and muse and the host of this podcast. Talk Tantra to Me introduces a playful perspective on sacred sexuality. My intention in this podcast is to integrate intimacy and spirituality, empowering you to reclaim your eroticism. It is my mission to inspire you to let go of shame, fear, and limiting beliefs to be present as your highest self in every moment. Thanks so much for tuning in. Now, let's talk Tantra. Welcome to episode 25 of Talk Tantra to Me. It is such an honor to be holding space for this divine knowledge to make its way into your ears and lifestyle. So today I'm going to be talking about sexual shadow work. So let's start at the basics here. What is shadow work? So shadow work is a term that we use in the healing modalities and in psychology that relates to the working parts of ourselves that we try to deny or disown. Carl Jung is kind of, you know, the founder or the one who who is known for speaking a lot about shadow work. Um, and he saw the shadow as everything that a pure person refuses to acknowledge about themselves and within themselves. So the shadow self is the disowned self. It represents the part of ourselves that we don't really claim to be our own, that we aren't fully accepting. We're often projecting these things onto others. This can also include inherent positive qualities. Um, And and they're really related to like deeply embedded stories that repress our ability to live an expansive life. Um, In Tantra, we say that our outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And our inner world is really this world of thoughts and patterns that play out in our minds Um, some of which we are conscious of, but most of which we are unconscious of. Um, It's this idea of just kind of reacting to the world around you instead of being like a conscious, conscious creator of the world around you. So when we have, you know, intention, we're able to shift past our, the trauma and conditioning that often shapes these deeply embedded stories that create our shadow. So without awareness, our inner world is often framed by the traumatic early experiences with discovering our bodies and since this is, you know, this podcast, also talking about our sexuality. So usually, you know, we may have some shame or fear around what our parents have taught us or what society has taught us about sexuality and and even in regards to some maybe early sexual harassment or assault or bullying in the youth. And so these experiences, we create, you know, stories or um, reactions that helped us survive in those moments. But Tantra is about acknowledging that we now have an opportunity to expand beyond this by fully loving, you know, each of these moments and each of these parts of ourselves, including our shadow. So when we consciously shine light into our shadow self with the intent to embrace it with love and acceptance, we experience more profound states of being. The further we go into ourselves, the deeper we go within, the more we're able to expand outwardly. It's this idea of as above, so below, right? Um, So being able to recognize that keeping things in the shadows or living in these stories of shame or fear may have helped you survive at one point 
And that's something to love. Like, thank God you you reacted the way that you did in those moments because it allowed you to move through them with some degree of, you know, grace or survival. But now these same patterns that helped you survive will not be the same ones that help you thrive, right? So we're learning to acknowledge our survival pattern, say, thank you, I love you. But I'm choosing this pattern that's going to allow me to expand and to thrive and to live abundantly. So we must fully love and embrace the shadow, realizing that your shadow is what makes you a whole person. It's what makes you relatable to someone. It's it's the qualities that that um, allow people to see themselves in you, so that you can grow together, so that you can co-create in this reality together. If you were a perfect person that was only love and light, you wouldn't be an effective mirror for others to grow. So in fact, your shadow is something that's an incredible gift for yourself to learn and grow in this reality, but also for the for the other people in your life to, to learn and to grow in this reality. So when we talk about integrating our shadows, Tantra really drops the judgment and encourages full acceptance of each and every part of yourself and each and every part of your human experience. Without unconditional love and awareness of who we are, we block ourselves from the empowerment of choosing our highest self. When it comes to our shadows, Tantra encourages encourages us to use intention. So you're setting an intention that allows you to look at the circumstances of your life objectively to then ask the question, does this align with my intention? In this way, there's really no right or wrong way. There's only the wisdom of knowing if our thoughts, patterns, and actions aren't resonant with the state of expansion that you deeply desire. So for example, you know, the idea of using plant medicine, right? Um, I think it's a great tool. I also think that it's a highly abused tool because people aren't working with the idea of intention. Um, so there's a lot of shadow aspect of using, you know, plant medicine, drugs, alcohol, all the above to escape emotion or to drown yourself um, from your feelings. Whereas you can also use something like alcohol, having, you know, a glass of wine to fully you know, embrace your sadness and you can set that intention, right? Or you can use, you know, champagne as a, as a way to celebrate, to enhance your emotional state. Um, and, and, you know, the same thing with using, you know, psilocybin or something like that. Maybe you have some confusion and you're like, I would like to go deeper into that confusion to find the root of it, if that makes sense. Um, however, again, you can be using all of these substances as a way to fix yourself um, or to escape your emotional state, which is not integrating your shadow. That's, in fact, trying to escape your shadow, trying to escape the depths of yourself, the parts of yourself that you would rather not identify with. Um, and how this relates to you know, your sexuality 
it's it's not a question of if your sexual shadow is bad. Again, there's no such thing as bad or good, right or wrong. The question is, is my expression of sexuality based on love and expansiveness of, of energy? And if it is, then that means it aligns with your highest truth because your highest truth is synonymous with your highest love. However, a lot of our behaviors around sexuality are shrouded in elements of fear, of shame, of guilt, of not being able to express our highest truth, and and that's a limiting space. And, And again, if you're limiting your ability to outwardly love in an expansive way, that means that there's a part of yourself within you that you're not loving. Again, if you are able to fully love the elements of yourself inside, then you open up new pathways for love and abundance outside but that takes accepting the darkness it's another way to look at it is the more you open yourself to love that we live in a dual world the more you're opening yourself up to the the um ability to be in pain right it's that idea of when you when you have the opportunity to fall deeply madly in love it's amazing it's beautiful but you also inherently know that you're opening yourself up to a potential path of loss, of pain at some point or another. And that's why falling in love is so fucking scary. Um, But you're going to do it still, right? You know, like, look, like this is going to hurt me at some point, whether it's physical loss of that person dying or, or leaving you in one way or another, or you know, those little painful moments that go along the way of growing together, of finding friction points and using them as opportunities to grow and to learn. Um, so getting back to this, um, just being aware of those energetic bonds, of those um, connections and and understanding where you can love it to let it go as well. Um, and in Tantra, we say that the, the individual takes responsibility for themselves, including their pleasures and their triggers, which we often put both of those things into our shadow. A lot of us don't want to fully claim the things that bring us pleasure for various reasons. One of those being that a lot of things that do bring a lot of pleasure are demonized or are um, taboo. Um, such as like things like masturbating or anal or even, um, you know, like I said, this idea of, of, of drinking alcohol, you see these two sides, but there's really a way to rise above where it's bad for you and it's bad for society and this idea that we're constantly being fed images of people, you know, abusing this substance. There's a way to go about it with intention, Right. And then with your triggers as well, we have lots of triggers around our past sexual experiences. Maybe someone shamed you for one of your pleasures in the past. So now if anyone even goes near that, you're immediately walls up. You're immediately out of the present moment. Immediately a wave of anxiety comes upon you. Um, Or maybe you were sexually assaulted and there's, you know, certain positions or sexual experiences that if someone, if if it feels remotely like you're getting into that space with a partner, you immediately close up, you immediately shut down. You're not willing to face that shadow aspect of yourself. Um, 
so in this way, it's taking responsibility. Instead of projecting it onto your partner, you're taking a responsibility or your relationships, your friendships, your family, whatever. The idea is that you take responsibility. And it's also this idea of recognizing that these the act of being triggered is often created by our relationships. A lot of the times we wouldn't go to these depths. We wouldn't go to these shadows if we didn't have someone externally that shined the light or acted as a mirror for us to see that. They do something to you and you immediately go, how dare they? Da, 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 da. Right? So they're the ones that actually like gift you the opportunity to look at that within yourself. But it takes you realizing, oh, I'm taking this personally. They did nothing wrong or they did nothing wrong consciously. So in that way, we are encouraged to embrace our blood tribe, right? Our family, because our families, I don't know about you guys, but my family is like deeply triggering <laughs> for me, um, which is great. So being able to see that value, but also having the freedom to create your star family, your family outside of your blood, outside of your lineage. This is your your friends that like are your sisters and brothers of of like past generations that come up in this life or even in this new generation you just feel this deep knowing and you have this these deep connections that's also deeply encouraged in the tantric tradition so connection is incredibly important but it's equally important to honor your highest self to honor your your experience and to take responsibility for what's going on within you Um, and then when you're able to live in your highest truth on your own you're able to fully take responsibility, you can begin to integrate that more deeply into your relationships, into your friendships, into your familial ties, into your work relationships. Um, so how do we begin to do this? You know, there are many tools to begin to integrate your shadow and all of them are rooted in, again, this idea of awareness and intention. And it can be incredibly complex and challenging to face these parts of ourselves. But we have to trust, regardless of how difficult it can be at times, we have to come back to this idea to trust that on the other side of the challenge that is facing your shadow, there is a beautiful, expansive part of yourself waiting to be unleashed, waiting to be integrated, waiting to bring you pleasure and abundance and joy and depth of feeling that you've never experienced before. That's on the other side of facing the parts of yourself that you're like, I don't want to go there, right? So the fact that we're becoming more aware of our shadow traits doesn't mean that we are bad, it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm looking at, you know, the part of myself that experiences jealousy, the part of myself that experiences laziness, the part of myself that struggles to give or receive or, or whatever. It's not bad. That part of you is not bad. And past iterations of yourself that have made bad, bad, quote unquote, or decisions that you regret or decisions that you perceive as mistakes, those are also not bad, It simply means that now you are stepping into a higher level of consciousness with awareness, with intention. So you are now responsible moving forward. It's this idea that we do our best until we know better and then we do better. So that version of yourself was just less evolved. They weren't bad or good. They just didn't have the tools yet 
to be aware and to move with intention. It's kind of like a child. A child doesn't know, you know, what's what's safe and what's not and what's, you know, like helpful for them or what isn't we have to teach them right and so it's it's helpful to look at these past iterations of yourself almost as like a child they just didn't know better yet it's okay they're learning and so are you in this moment and in that moment the eternal moment of now so what we weren't aware of in the past is the past it's a part of a learning curve all it means is that we are now witnessing this you know naive moment this naive version of ourselves and becoming aware of it in the present, shining light on it and now integrating that awareness to be a part of our consciousness moving forward. So like dealing with it is acknowledging that past experience and then resolving to make a more expansive choice in the future. So what happens to all these parts of ourselves that we are sweeping out of view, that we are putting into our shadow? These qualities that we are putting into our shadow, we are denying in ourselves, we begin to see in other people. And this is triggering. And in, in psychology and in the tantra world and in the healing modalities, we call this projection. We project onto others what we are burying within ourselves, what we are hiding in our own closet, it's itching away at us. It's it's bothering us in our closet. So when someone else does it, we are deeply reactive, very reactive. So unless you are consciously working on your shadow, you are more than likely projecting your shadow onto others. And this often looks like taking things very personally. Anytime someone does something that bothers you, you take it so personally. How dare they do that to me? How dare they do that to this experience? Like thinking like, oh, they're trying to get a rise out of me. They're trying to upset me. And you can also do this to your own experience as well. But when you learn to see that these are parts of your shadows, you stop taking it personally. You start seeing like, oh, like this is an opportunity for me to see this part of myself that is hurting. And an incredible tool, again, for integrating our shadows are our relationships, including the romantic, the familial, the friendly, the neighborly, the work environments, and especially our relationship with ourselves because our relationships are mirrors for our own experiences. And these mirrors show us these rep- re- suppressed qualities of ourselves that we are not addressing. Especially within our romantic relationships, you're, you're, if you're consciously creating in a romantic relationship, you're seeing it as an opportunity to commit to a deeper level of expansion. You're agreeing to be triggered. By getting into a relationship, you're agreeing to embrace, to push the limits of your your awareness, both in the depths of love, but also in the depths of your shadow and your trigger. So you're agreeing to step into that space with someone. So when we show up in in relationships, in romantic relationships particularly, we are energetically telling the universe... I am willing to be vulnerable enough to get to know my partner and myself on a deeper level. I am willing to expose myself in a very vulnerable place in order to explore the depths of my humanity, both in light and in shadow. 
And without proper understanding of our own sexual energies, it's very difficult to come to a place of positive and and mutually expansive energetic exchange. So we often end up in unconscious control patterns with our partner, unconscious codependencies, um, unconscious power exchanges, which is really destructive. It's very deeply hurtful or it's very enabling. We're often like really enabling our partners to continue patterns that aren't expansive. So with awareness and intent, we continue to create this pact within our partnerships to say, hey, it's going to be painful. There's going to be moments where I fucking want to kill you because you just really triggered me and hurt a deep part of my psyche. But being able to say, let's sit with this together and talk it through. Let's show up. Let's let's take responsibility to say, like, you did this thing and it's making me realize that there's a deeply embedded part of myself that I'm not loving. And you triggered that. You touched that. So again, common examples for um, sexual control patterns in the relationship space are something called push-pull, which is where you have like a sexual bombardment following withholding. So love bombing is another way to say this. It's when you offer a lot of love, a lot of affection, a lot of... Um, a lot of push, a lot of love bombing, but then it's withdrawn. There's this moment where it becomes too much, too much commitment, too scary. So it's this immediate withdrawment. And this is often a way to see the anxious avoidant um, pattern play out as well, if you're familiar with that um, viewpoint of looking at this. It's this idea that um, the avoidant partner will often give a lot of attention because they're excited by this new path for love, but then they get scared of the um, responsibility that comes with that. And so they begin avoiding the other partner. They withdraw their um, love. Whereas the anxious partner, because it's often the anxious attachers that begin, you know, drawing themselves to the avoidance and vice versa. So then the anxious pattern person is saying, you're abandoning me. You gave me all this love and now you're withdrawing it. So now I'm feeling abandoned. So this is one example of how this can play out. Another thing you can often see is fixers. People that will give sexual pleasure, give attention, affection, um, in order to fix their partner, um, to motivate them to change. Um, but then they will feel resentment if their partner doesn't do those things. And this is based on an idea of conditional love, which is a reflection of your own inner conditional love. A lot of us will only love ourselves if we lose the weight. We'll only love ourselves if we get the job. We'll only love ourselves if we heal all of our shit, right? Where in reality, you are inherently worthy of love. And again, this is a part of the shadow, embracing all parts of ourselves. But we often look for that validation externally and we project our own desire to fix ourselves onto our partner, which creates this fixer relationship, which again leads to resentment. <clears throat> um, victimizer is another good one to see. It's this idea of consistently seeing yourself as like I have all this trauma I need to be taken care of I'm looking for my knight in shining armor I'm looking for this person to satisfy my emotional sexual needs 
Um, it can look it can look like guilt tripping at times, but the idea is that you are consistently putting yourself in a victimizing place instead of an empowering place and then your partner will often enable that they become the enabler like they'll be like oh you're right I'm going to continue to um allow you to complain to allow you to see yourself as the victim rather than giving them an opportunity to step beyond that to see this place where they have a lot more power than they think that they do right um and then you see things like the perpetrator which involves a little bit more of the sexual aggression the degradation it's a tool for vengeance or entitlement um it's 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 a power play right and i want to be very clear that there are ways to explore each of these in a healthy safe way within your partnerships in containers in sexual containers with intention with awareness to say we're going to play out this dynamic to explore the depths of humanity but it's when these things are happening in an unconscious way that it that it becomes a problem right that it becomes a part of your shadow okay um one beautiful way to address your shadow is with radical sex positivity this is a really empowering and healing movement um, needed in shadow work it's this idea of embracing all parts of your sexual self working with your sexuality as a journey knowing that it takes time like any healing um and, and it's important to, to allow yourself a lot of space in this environment to break down the layers of fear and shame and guilt and traumatic experiences that often create a lot of toxicity around sexuality. Um, and sex positivity really looks different for each and every person. It really does um, because of our own experiences and because our highest truth is very variable um so allowing yourself to find a space where you're able to check in with your highest truth and see what resonates with you with your experience and also allowing others to have their highest truth i think that sex positivity often gets really um troublesome because you'll see your sex positivity again will look differently than someone else's so one person's sex positivity can look like very BDSM, allowing themselves to enjoy the pleasure of being dominated, for example. And someone else can say, well, that's not sex positive because you're stepping into a, um, a, uh, a role that is degrading, right? And, and that's not necessarily true. It might be true for you, but it's not true for the other person. So it's also allowing people to have their own experiences around this and saying, look, that's your experience and this is mine. I'm not taking it personally. Because when you start to take it personally, that is a very likely indicator that's a, that it's a part of yourself that you have not experienced, that you've not explored, that you want to experience. If you're judging someone else for their sexual preferences, it's likely a part of your shadow that you're not looking at or embracing. That's an opportunity to say, well, maybe I should try this. Maybe I should look at this and see is this truly not for me or is this some some part of um, my conditioning that I'm holding on to, okay? 
So everyone has the right to understand their sexuality and to enjoy physical pleasure, to enjoy emotional intimacy, all types of intimacy without judgment, without shame from themselves or from others. And so when you begin to accept your own darker parts, your own shadow, your own sexual shadow, it's easier to accept the shadow in others, to accept their their sex positivity to, to, un, to begin to understand where their shadow might be playing out. And as a result, other people's behaviors, other people's preferences won't trigger you as easily. You'll have an easier time working through that and communicating with others. You might have a moment of like, oh, you like that? I don't want that. Oh, this is not the good partnership. But you'll be able to move through that more fluidly and say, okay, I see that you're into this. Don't think that's for me, but I'm willing to consider, is this a part of my shadow that I'm repressing or is this an opportunity for me to move forward um, with awareness and be able to set my boundaries, right? Um, so as you begin to work in this space, you may notice an improvement in your relationships with your with, with you know, your, your, your sexual partners, but also with your friends, also with your family, being able to set those um, to communicate your needs, preferences, and boundaries more, more eloquently with more confidence and, and also knowing that if someone isn't in resonant or is triggered by your needs, preferences, and boundaries, not taking it personally. So there are some tools um, or some levels of awareness that I'd like to, to highlight as, as ways to move through these spaces. And the first one is to take an observant or curious stance on your emotional reactions or on your triggers. Um, Carl Jung, who again, you know, talks a lot about the shadow and in reference to psychology, says that everything that irritates us about others can lead us to a better understanding of ourselves. So whatever bothers you in another is likely a disowned part within yourself, as I've said earlier. So when you begin to notice, when you have, when you observe a reaction to someone else, to what they're saying or doing, and you're noticing that it's not positive, it's being able to recognize that and be curious about it. Say, why? Why is that bothering me so much? What about my experiences, my traumatic stories, my fears, my shame, my guilt is coming up in this moment that I have an opportunity to go deeper within and love, okay? Another tool that kind of overlaps with this is to become conscious of your inner dialogue. These are your thoughts that are running through your brain. And some of these, again, are conscious and some are unconscious. Some of them are things that just, they, they just come into your awareness, and you're like, not you. It's something that you like don't even want to own, right? So being aware of when those dialogues start to come up, recognizing that if it's something that's making you feel relaxed or in trust and love, or if it's making you feel threatened or in fear, and actively commuting, communicating with yourself, talking yourself through it, and often our inner child or past iterations of ourselves are the person that we're talking to. Often it's the person that you were in that moment that you were sexually assaulted that comes up. Or it's the the child that was told to call its, you know, sexual parts PP and it's the child that was told not to masturbate and was shamed that comes up in that moment. So it's being able to see these different parts of yourself and know that there are various iterations of yourself that exist and being able to choose to activate your highest self 
to commune with them and remind them that they're inherently safe, to move with trust, and that there is beauty on the other side of this painful wall that they're not wanting to break down. A really good tool for communicating with yourself in this space is journaling. Really great for that. Um, And another tool you know, kind of the last tool that I'll highlight here is acknowledging, acknowledge, acknowledging, excuse me, acknowledging what you appreciate about yourself and taking a moment to see the opposites, the opposite qualities in yourself as well. This looks like if you see yourself as a sexual giver, if you're like, I love giving, I get the most pleasure out of giving and you like to give so much, you get so much satisfaction out of that. Try to see the part of yourself that may enjoy fully surrendering to receive. Maybe even being tied up and having your partner just fully give to you in a space where you actually aren't even able to give. You have to fully receive. What would that look like for you? Right? It's also being able to see yourself as like a hard worker, but also knowing that there are parts of yourself that are lazy and allowing yourself to be that person in moments. Allowing that laziness to express itself. All right? Acknowledging that both parts of yourself are okay and loving all of it and knowing when to choose to channel that light while also integrating the dark. Okay? So a lot of this work is really about doing it consistently, being open to expanded states. It's really shifting that internal dialogue to be aware of what's going on and being aware of what's happening in your body when your body is tensing up based on the environment, the experiences that are happening around you and consciously sending that love to those parts of yourself that are afraid. To me, following a tantric lifestyle is really what allowed me to do this. And if you're interested in learning more about tantric lifestyle, you can listen to episode... It is episode 15. Because again, we we often really associate tantra only with sexuality. And I want to be clear that it's sexuality is a tool in the toolbox and in fact I think it's the greatest tool in the toolbox it's the largest tool in the toolbox um sexual energy but sexual energy is synonymous with so many things um and you'll get a better sense of that if you listen to episode 15 that's where I would direct you for that but I think that it's also really valuable to have someone in this space as a guide, as a mirror, someone that has already done the work or is in the process of doing the work because I don't think that the work ever really ends, but someone that has integrated the tools and and has more tools in their toolbox that they're aware of and that they're consciously using to be able to help you. This kind of work is the work that you can do on your own. And there are a lot of amazing free tools out there, including this podcast, lots of great books that I've benefited from greatly that have deeply shifted my experience and perspective. But I've also invested thousands of dollars in coaches and retreats and experiences that have made the process so much more fun, so much more relatable, and so much faster and easier. I'm not going to say it's always easy. 
having mentors in this space can also be deeply triggering because again they become a relationship that you're co-creating with so again you're agreeing to step into that space to um, know yourself and to know the other better so it can also be very challenging but it's also a lot more fun and it's I mean, there are elements of work that you do by yourself and there's elements that you do in your relationships, but it it is great to have a mentor in this space is what I'm saying. And with that, I'm that person. (laughs) This is something that I do professionally and I absolutely love it because I know that this is the work that helped me live this deeply expansive life where I have such an incredible channel of abundance because I've integrated my shadow. Um, and I'm still doing it and it's, you know, a part of the work. There's not an end in this human experience in my opinion. Um, but now when I'm working through my shadow, it's so much easier because I've done this work with so many other elements of my shadows over and over again that I know the tools to get me into that space and I know when to ask for help as well, right? So when you're working with me, I help you identify these limiting beliefs. I help you um, shine light into those shadows so you're able to grow through them and identify your highest truth. Right now, I'm offering a six-month coaching program that is focused on the kundalini chakras, which are the seven main energetic points in our bodies, to see where your shadow may be lingering, where you may be housing fears, limiting beliefs, shame, guilt, or stuck, stuck traumas, to then liberate yourself to grow through it and live in a more expansive place. And I use this chakra system as a framework, but my one-to-one mentorship programs are directly tailored to your needs. And we'll start with a free discovery call. From there, I will suggest a framework that fits your deepest desires, addresses your biggest challenges, and capitalizes on your greatest potential for growth. And again, this is a free discovery call. Um, We'll set it up. We'll chat for an hour. I'll get a sense of where you're at. And if we decide that I'm not a good fit, if I say, you know what, I actually think there's someone better for you, I'm happy to suggest one of the other amazing coaches in my community. I'm also happy to success, um, sorry, um, suggest um, some other resources, maybe some retreats or, you know, low cost resources such as, um, you know, books or communities. I, I do like small circles in LA that are donation based that if you're in the area, I'd be happy to, to offer those to you. Um, so there's other, there's other opportunities out there as well. So please feel free to shoot me a message and, um, see if we're a good fit to work together. So, um, that's all that I have for you today. I, I do want to thank you uh, again for opening yourself up to the idea of sacred sexuality. And if this podcast resonates with you, I'd love to hear it in the reviews. It means the world to me to hear your perspective. And your reviews also help this podcast become a bit more relevant in search results, which means that more people are able to benefit from the wisdom of spiritual intimacy. And if you'd like to take an even more proactive role in awakening the collective to sacred sexuality, I'd love it if you screenshotted this podcast and shared it on your social media. And if you do so, please tag me so that I can thank you personally. With so much gratitude and love, have a sexy and spiritual day. And I'll catch you next week on Talk Taunter to Me. Ta-ta!